who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. Each Monday, I bring you a brand new full-length episode covering something from a wide variety of topics. And then every Friday, come meet up with me again for a mini What's in the News episode so you can stay up to date on everything that's going on in the world. Check out Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And rage on. Good day, good people. My name is Brad King, and this is the Downtown Riders Jam video podcast which is part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. Max the Dog and I are coming to you from deep inside the jam bunker on this lovely summer day. Hope that you're well. I'm very excited. We have a really interesting author on the program today. Simon Vanderveld is here, and his book, Backstories, is out right now. So Simon is a really interesting person. Uh, he's had uh, bunches of jobs throughout his life. Laborer, barman, caterer, lawyer, teacher. Uh, he's traveled throughout uh, Europe and South America. And we talk a little bit about like how you collect stories and different ways in which writers sort of look at things. It's not nearly as wonky and nerdy as it sounds, but it's really interesting. He also is one of uh, the UK's most decorated short story writers. And if you listen to the program, you know, like short stories are really difficult to sell because People want books, novels, and I say people, I mean the industry wants that. And uh, Simon has carved out this niche of writing stories, and he's won and been shortlisted for a bunch of awards, and if I listed them all here, like, we would be here all day. But just know, bunches and bunches of awards and shortlists, which is a big deal. He lives in Newcastle uh, with his wife and his Labradoodle and his two kids, and uh I don't think we talk about it on the show, but we talked about the dog and the kids a whole lot off air um, and his wife, too. But I have a dog and we were talking about kids and 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 stories and particularly backstories, this book that he's written um, and and how it might fit into his own childhood and things like that. So it was a really fascinating conversation. And it's such an interesting construct. And we'll talk about that in just a minute before we do a little bit of business. As you know, the video podcasts come out every Wednesday and Friday-ish, and the Jam, the hour-long program, is out on Wednesday. A couple things you can do to help us out as everybody gets back out into the world again and are looking for things to listen to, 
tell your friends about us. Peer pressure works, I promise. And leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast, particularly if you use Apple. You can pop over to the Facebook page and leave us a review there. You can also head over to writersjam.com and leave us a testimonial through the contact page. While you're there, check out the podcast series. If you're looking for a book to buy, click on the bookshop link. If you're looking for a book to read, check out the reviews. If that's all too much, sign up for the newsletter and all of this will show up right in your inbox. Last thing you can do, support everybody on the podcast network by clicking on the Patreon button. When you do that, just a couple bucks a month, you're going to get some commercial-free episodes, happy hours, and all kinds of stuff from everybody on the network. Now, this book is really interesting um, in its construct. And that's a lot of what we talk about today. It's not a craft conversation, uh, but it is this look at... Um, fictionalizing real people and doing it for a specific reason. And I don't want to spoil it because that's what a big part of this conversation is about. But we talk a lot about empathy and Venn diagrams on this program. And this book seems to be part of that, right? Which is looking at people in the world and trying to figure out like, where are our stories shared and where are they different? And how can I learn about these differences? And, you know, one of the things that this word that really bothers me is tolerance, right? Like, well, show tolerance to other people. That, that feels like a negative connotation to me. Tolerance assumes that like, like when I think of it, I think I have a high tolerance for pain. So tolerating difference seems like a painful thing. And part of the reason I talk about empathy and part of the reason that I love literature so much is that it isn't about tolerance. It's about embodying these things outside of the Venn diagram. Me being able to slip into somebody else's story and understand what they do, not to tolerate it, to appreciate it, to make my world bigger so that when I see people and I talk to them, I can interact with them in ways that are in their world and not in my world. And talking about how this book is structured and how the short stories were put together. I don't know if Simon, even at the end of this interview, I don't know if that's what he set out to do. I have no idea, but this is the way I experienced it. And I think it's such an interesting way to tell stories. And it's a trick. It's a writer trick. Like it is, but everything writers do is a writer trick. This one is just the conceit of the book. So I'm anxious for you guys to meet Simon, to hear about this book, for you to go out and buy it and read it because it just seems like everything that fiction is supposed to do, which is allow us to embody other things, to grow, to learn other stories, to be transported into worlds, all of that stuff is in this construct. And he sort of jokingly refers to it as like the most original book of the year, as everybody always says. But it's an interesting construct that I think lends itself to an interesting proposition as a reader. And I'm really looking forward to digging into it. And I think and hope that you will be excited for this conversation. So I appreciate you stopping by to spend a little time with Max and I, as you know, if you listen to the program, my boy got cancer. So we're enjoying all of the time we have left and appreciate you coming by to spend a couple minutes with us. Hope your day is going well and you're taking care of yourself and taking care of everybody around you. And I hope you will sit back for the next 30 minutes or so and enjoy my conversation with Simon Vanderbilt. So the pitch is the standout most original book of the year. <laughs> but it really is. 
Okay. Everybody, well, a lot of people claim their books are original. So basically what you get is you get the story of a famous person. So not just like, you know, uh, I was, I won a celebrity dancing competition, but like a proper famous person who's done something to impact the world. Um, most of these people, they're, they're sort of basically heroes of my childhood or even a little before, because you know, there's that thing that someone who's just from before your time has that extra mystique. So, so it's probably 60s and 70s, UK and USA, which is the culture, you know, that I grew up with. Um, but it's not just like, here's a potted history of someone famous because, well, what's the point of that? We know that. What I do is I go back to before they were famous and I try to pinpoint that pivotal moment where it all might have gone wrong. Because, you know, the way I see it is there's at least as much luck as judgment in what happens to any of us. I mean, you know, at that, least as much, at least as much, <laughs> yeah. probably a lot more. I guess. Um, so so that's what I'm trying to do. pinpoint that that moment. I'm not trying to give you here's a famous person. I'm giving you the opposite. I'm giving you here is a lost soul, some kid who doesn't know anything, who's probably up against it, who's had a hard time because of race or, or beliefs or culture or whatever. So that's basically what it's about. But then the real key to it, the thing that makes this original is that I don't tell you who the story's about. So you follow this journey with this kid in wherever, living their life, feeling their feelings, and gradually, I, you know, through the, the story, it will begin to dawn on you whose head you're inside. And so you get that sort of hairs on the back of the neck, eureka moment when you realise, oh, I'm in Elvis's head or Mahatma Gandhi's head or whoever it is. And I should say they're not in the book because otherwise they wouldn't have used it. <laughs> It's so these, but these are a series of stories, right? Like it's not a, it's not a collected, it's not a novel. It's a series of. No, it's a series of stories. So it's a series of stories with that theme. And Sorry, so I should have made that clear. But. No, 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 that's no, I, that's it's okay. So what was it that possessed you to say, I want to, because it's, it's fictionalized, right? Like these are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically, obviously it's fictionalized because these are before anybody was taking any notice. And also <laughs> I spent quite a lot of time inside the character's head. So, you, you know, it has to be fictionalized, but it's pretty closely aligned to fact. So I'll pick a moment that probably really happened in a place where it really happened at a time when it really happened with those characters. But the detail, the emotional truth, which is what it's all about. Is, yeah. It's my my take on it. It's my truth on it, but it's obviously it's not an objective truth. So. Sure. Although I would argue objective truth is really hard to get at. So. <laughs> well, for sure. And yeah. it's pretty meaningless in a way. Yeah. So. It's, you know, it's, it, when we talked about this before, like I literally, and maybe I don't, I'm assuming you've seen this show, but I don't even know if you have, but I just kept thinking like, oh, this is like Quantum Leap. Like this, there's an 80s show with Donald Belisario where oh, Scott Bakula. Sorry, tell me about, I've heard of Quantum Leap, but 
but I don't think I, I don't really remember it, but is that what basically happened? So, well, it wasn't, it, he, he, uh, Scott Bakula jumped into the bodies of somebody and you didn't know who they were. And oftentimes they, they weren't always well-known, but sometimes they were well-known and it would be that moment where they got, where the thing turned and it was like, oh, you went from this thing to this thing. And he was there to make sure it happened because somebody else was trying to make it not happen. Okay. Yeah. So you told me this and I was like, oh, I, yours is not sci-fi obviously, but like, I was like, yeah. oh, okay. They're like this, this kind of makes sense to me as a way to explore, you know, the forces that shape who we are as people, right? Like this is sort of what you were looking at in the book. Yeah, I guess the forces that shape these people and and what makes greatness, right? The frailty of it all, you yeah. know, that once they're up there, then it's like, well, how could they not be? But of course, there was a moment when it could have all gone wrong yeah. so easily. Yeah. And of course, it has for a lot of people. And it's a thing that we don't, you know, well, I worked at Wired. And so there was this theme that developed in Silicon Valley where people would be like, the lone genius made a thing happen, right? And we, if you're a reporter and you're in there, you're like, no one person made a thing happen. There were all of these things. And yes, maybe you were a nexus, but like the nexus was surrounded by all of these other things that allowed it to happen. And I think- sure. There's a human need, isn't there? We like to create heroes and then we like to knock them down again. But- <laughs> it's not really the truth of things. The truth is, yeah, everything's, everybody's connected. And for every Elvis, you know, there's probably a dozen guys who could have been. Yeah. You know, you know, there's a guy with a beautiful voice and the right look at the right time doing the right thing, but he wasn't the only one. Yeah. I believe. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. And I think, um, and I think, you know, so much of hero telling gets told by, like you said, it gets told at the end when we look back and like, it's told as an inevitability and like, well, of course this had to be. And I actually think that's super dangerous because it's just not the way that it is. Right. And like, as you said at the beginning, like there is an element of luck in all of our lives that's right place, right time, know the right person, come across the right person you know, and suddenly you're like, oh, shit, like I'm a thing. Yeah, well, that's it. That's that's true. And there's also I suppose there's a personal element to it because I'm 53. So anybody who's I don't know between 35 and 65, they might not share my heroes exactly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whilst on the one hand, I'm saying this hero thing is is a false creation. Still, because I was a child once, a part of me believes in it, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that's that's what gives some of these stories their power. Because, you know, truth is a truth is good. Truth is good, but truth can be dull unless it's unless you know you make it interesting, you know. So it's it's kind of it's both, it's both saying, look, these heroes, they are heroes but they weren't always necessarily going to be. Yeah. And so. you seem, I mean, again, just like just our conversation that we had and just sort of reading a little bit about you, you seem interested in people, right? Like you can't be somebody that travels a lot. And I mean, when you're traveling, like at least when I travel, I'm always in, I'm less concerned about like this building, that building, this thing was built here. Like I always tell people like, where, like, where do, where do the people from here go? I'm going to go sit in that cafe for three weeks and I'm just going to meet folks and talk to them because I'm fascinated by their stories and the way that they've come to the world. And that seems to be something that maybe this was the other thing that I wanted to talk about. Like this seems to be part of your personality. Yeah, I'm really interested. I'm really interested in people, but I'm interested in the mechanics of how they work. Not the mechanics of it, but the, just the way that they work. So I don't know, am I? I'm not really, to be honest, the sort of guy who would sit and interact with people all the time because I'm a bit, I like that and I do that. And then I like to sort of curl up into myself and spend lots of time in a room on my own, which is you know, what you need to want to do to write. (laughs) I'm hoping I'm doing the right thing. It seems to work for me. You know, that balance of go out into the world, store up some positive energy almost, and then pour it onto the page. Um, But yeah, for sure, when I've traveled, which is less often nowadays than I would like to. Sure. It's about the people, yeah. You know, one building is much the same to me. But the people in their stories, you know, every country's got its stories and its myths and its stuff that makes it think we're the best. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if you spend a bit of time there, you pick that up. Yeah. One of the themes on this show is I, I call it Venn diagram. I mean, Venn diagrams is a real thing, but like the theme is Venn diagrams. Like having traveled all over the place, generally when I meet people, 
I am interested to, okay, where did our, like, where are our stories the same? And then where are they different? Because it's the where they're different that I'm like, oh, so you came at this world in a whole different way than I did. We may have ended up with some crossover, right? Like we may have ended up with some stuff, but it's that other stuff that makes it, um, that makes them interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, different perspectives, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so obviously, UK, US, there's kind of a standard story, isn't there? We've got yeah. a lot in common. We've got a lot of differences and there's certain things that, you know, I don't know, from my side, like the whole gun thing. Yeah. Just doesn't make any sense to me at all. But I find when I, you know, when I talk to people, Americans, even people who, who I who would put themselves very much on the left go, well, you, you've got a right to carry a gun. And why? Yeah. Who do you want to kill? You know, I just you know, so it's just different, I suppose. But um, I mean, with my stories, because they're all they're all a stretch in a way because they're not me. But I mean, I write, you know, black people, white people, Jewish, Asian, Muslim, everybody. Yeah, and that's that's quite. It's really challenging, really challenging sometimes. And obviously it's quite controversial. Some people would say, you can't do that. You've got no right to do that. You've got no right to try and represent these people, which is a point of view. Um, I guess my view is it's sensitive, especially if I'm right, say I'm writing a black woman's perspective. In the light of history, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. But yeah. I'm a writer. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. And so long as I do it sensitively and I do it well, then that's great. Yeah. Well, that's the Venn diagram, right? Like, because I think the beginning of that comes with what do I understand about this character? And then 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 saying, OK, what don't I? And now I have to go figure out what those things are. Right. Like so even if you're not interacting with people in this in this sort of extrovert way, you're still going out and trying to figure out, like, where do our stories diverge? What is it about this story that I don't know that I think is the foundation of empathy? Right. Like the reason I was interested in in, in the book and what you were doing was we talk a lot about how fiction is develops empathy on this show because it allows you to embody people who are not you. And so that allows you to experience somebody else's story. And as a writer, I just thought it was really fascinating that you were like, well, I'm going to fictionalize these people uh, before you knew who they were. I mean, I don't know if you sat down and thought about this, but like, it's an act of empathy, right? Like so that people can understand and embody like this moment when like you might feel like you're up against it, and like, if you don't get somewhere, maybe that's not your fault. Or if you do get somewhere, maybe that was the luck of the draw, but good for you, right? Like it allows people to experience heroics or whatever we want to call that yeah. in an empathetic way. I think it's like, I suppose bringing it back to your, I'm in the cafe in Peru or Cuba or wherever I am. I guess I'm happy there, but whilst you're talking to everybody, Maybe I'm just sitting there listening. Yeah. And maybe that's that's my my way in because I'm not so chatty. I'm telling you, know, maybe I flatter myself, I'm taking more in. And so yeah, it's like 
you know, it's it's hard to avoid the cliches, but we are all the same fundamentally. Yeah. But we have different experiences, which cause us to have different fears and different anxieties and different different yeah. triggers. So, really, that I mean, that's a central message of it, you know. So, you know, and it's anti-racist, anti-prejudice, obviously, and that comes through because you're basically finding out that all these people all these people are the same and they have the same anxieties and the same fears. And, and of course, all these people are different because they have different talents and yeah. different, different drives. So, so yeah, of course you're putting yourself into it. I mean, every time you read a book, you know, you're going into somebody else's head. You're yeah. living there. Um, and I've spent a lot of time doing that as well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and you know, one of the things that I, you know, when I was a teacher, I used to tell folks like, you have to design a class for introverts and extroverts because intro extroverts need people to talk to and introverts need to be able to sit back and watch. And we can't privilege one of those over another. We can't say that like, well, talking to everybody makes you know them better because like you, like, like you, there are people that just sit and observe and spend time trying to understand what is happening. And that's as valuable as any, that's as valuable as the other thing. And I think we forget that sometimes that like, you know, yeah, I'm sure we do. I'm sure, you know, generally, I think life rewards the extroverts, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I mean. And like, that's a mistake because it assumes that there isn't this depth happening just because you're not talking doesn't mean that you're not stimulated. Right. That doesn't mean that your brain isn't going like, well, what is that? And why is that person doing that? And, oh, that's really interesting. And instead of button in, you just sit back and watch. Um, well, for sure. But there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I obviously agree with you. The world yeah. should appreciate <laughs> yeah. all the people in it. But, you know, um, I suppose that what, what a book forces you to do is you sit down and you read and you switch off that side of yourself. So you we're all the listeners at the point where we're reading yeah. the book. So. While you're in, so you're always you're always stepping into somebody's head. If you're reading a book about Julius Caesar, you're in Julius Caesar's head. Yeah, you know. Um, and I, I suppose I don't really feel with with backstories. I don't want necessarily want to spend three hundred pages with all these characters. <laughs> yeah. But give me twenty pages of the real business end of it of a new perspective. And, and I, I suppose that's part of also what was behind backstories because everybody's got, everybody once they're famous has got their image and they've got people in charge of their image and they present what they want to present. But of course it's, it's bullshit, of course it is. <laughs> you know, because that's not what people are. You know, it's almost like all these body image people that, you know, so you see a picture of a beautiful woman in a magazine and it's like no woman in the world really looks, and it's a false thing, and it's pro and, and that obviously is damaging to a lot of women's self esteem and a lot of, and well all that that's a whole other thing, but it's yeah. bad. So equally, you know this idea that yeah I was always strong, I was always right, I was always wise, <laughs> I always made all the right decisions. It's you know it's, what kind of stupid message is that you know? Yeah. So. This is much better. This is much, it's just much truer. It's whilst it's fiction, you know, the idea, the aim of it is to be as true as possible. Mm -hmm. In um, 
well in an emotional way well i think it's it's an interesting trick too to not tell them who it is right and to make again this is part of empathy whether you meant for that to be that or not like if people begin identifying with a thing and then they're like oh shit this is this was not this person who I was expected to be. They've already yeah. embodied the thing that you think is important, right? Like, absolutely. So you are removing this sort of social structures from things and going, let's just talk about the event. And the yeah, thing. I'm removing, but I'm removing the preconceptions. That's what I mean, right? You know, the construct yeah. of society you've pulled away. So you think you know this person, and then you read the story and you get to know another person who is nameless, and you feel what you feel about them, and you agree with this that they do and you disagree with that and you fear for them in this way and blah blah and then when you get the the eureka moment you also then get to overlay the truth of the person in this story with the truth that you thought you knew before yeah so you've got a real sort of moral challenge you go away with something to think about right and that's i mean i think that is you know, this is one of those things where I'm like, well, I wish I could live in the heads of people because I'm sure there are going to be some uncomfortable things that happen in people's minds when they read that. Like when they come across somebody and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some uncomfortable things that happen yeah. because a lot of these are my heroes. A few of them are kind of like my anti heroes. Yeah. And you don't know who you're getting. Right. But also like, yeah. But if you happen to like if you're not you, but like if you happen to be racist and you're reading about somebody and then at the end you realize, oh shit, this person's black and the whole time I've identified with them, I don't know the cognitive dissonance will be overcome in their head because those people have a way of doing gymnastics, but like that's why I wish like, oh, it'd be great to be in somebody's head and just see their face as they're like, uh-oh. Like yeah. I've identified with this thing, that this person that I've said is like, you know, I shouldn't identify with. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely, that's... You know, I, I think, sadly, the reality is there aren't many racists going to pick this up. I don't <laughs> think. But, um, but in a more subtle way, there's... I mean, there is that. There is that point of view. But in a more subtle way, just we all have our little prejudices. All of us. Little, yeah. You know, our stuff. Yeah. And yeah, and it's an absolute conceit if you think you don't. It's just... I've talked about this on the show. There was a, 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 a woman wrote a book called Tomboy Land. It's a personal essay. And like we hit it off and we become friends and she's this amazing person. And I like to consider myself very liberal and open-minded. And she was writing about some really difficult things that made me initially recoil. And I, I sent her a note and I said, I had to really sit down and reflect, like, why was I recoiling about this thing that one isn't about me two that I fully support and like this, there's clearly this thing inside of me that like, I need to do more work on. And like, what a gift it is to have a book to be able to do that, right? Like, I didn't look at that as something, but I realized that is not the way a lot of people take stuff. But like, you know, that I think understanding that we all have that micro stuff in us. So again, like books like this, where those things come up, I think builds empathy. I think that, or at least has the opportunity to, if people are yeah, open to their own selves. I mean, yeah. there's a challenge in it for some people they just read it and it's just a game yeah how fast can i get who this character is yeah. and that's fine i suppose i suppose we'll allow them to make you this beautiful cake and you eat the icing off the top you know <laughs> yeah. it's um but there is you know the logic that the, the readers right the reader gets what they want that's fine yeah but 
you know, it works on levels. It yeah. works on levels for sure. Um, we'll allow them to do that, Simon, if they pay for it. If they pay for it and you want to just eat the ice cream or the icing, that's fine. <laughs> well, I guess that's the way it has yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the existential horror of being a writer. Like, you're reading this wrong. <laughs> the existential horror of being a writer. I like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someday that'll be, that'll be the name of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I can't wait to read this book. Like, I'm really fascinated to see how this all breaks. And I appreciate you taking some time to chat with me about it today. No, it's a real pleasure. It's great. And um, I hope you have fun with it. Yeah, I will. I will. Uh, and it's out now, right? Like, it, people can get it anywhere. Yeah, you can get it. Well, oh, I've got some supply issues at the minute. But it's, it's, it's available on Amazon US. And it's on audio as well. And the audio is really good. I can't claim any credit for it because the actors did it, but um, oh, that sounds great. Two or three actors and um, versatile or what? You know, they're really good. It's. I will tell you, like I love a good audio book, particularly when there's different people doing stuff. Like it's almost like a radio play. It's like a different experience from reading the book. Like I will do both because they oftentimes land differently for me. Well, they. Uh, well, I think there's a lot to be said for that. The audiobook's great, but the, the downside of the audiobook is there's these little subtle clues that build through uh, the stories, and you can easily miss them because generally people listen to audio, they're driving or they're painting or they're doing something else, and you can miss stuff. But so I'll read the book first and then I'll get the audiobook. <laughs> no, get the audio first and then read. Okay, oh, right. <laughs> I will do that. Well, Simon, thank you so much. And uh, I hope we can do this again after I, after I finish the book. I'm sure I'll have. Yeah, absolutely. Questions. Well, look, hey, I'm here, and um, backstories two is out in October. So, awesome. Well, we'll get you back here in October then, too. Fantastic. All right. All right. Have a great, great day. Well, there you have it. That was Simon Vanderbilt. His book Backstories out right now. I, I cannot wait to read it. I I love the construct of that, and uh, I'm super excited to get into these characters and see if I can figure out who they are along the way. Before we get out of here, just a couple reminders. If you like what you heard today, do us those two favors we talked about at the top of the show. Your friends are back out in the world. They're looking for things to listen to while they're running, shopping, driving. Tell them about our show. The other thing you can do, leave us a written review wherever you listen to podcasts, particularly if you're at Apple. While you're at it, don't forget to check out all the other programs on the Solid Listen Podcast Network, including the flagship Mother May I Sleep With Podcast with host, our Solid Listen Podcast queen, Molly MacLear. Don't forget these video podcasts about every Monday and Friday. We crank them out as soon as they get in here. They're always on the Solid Listen Network YouTube channel. You can also listen to the audio wherever you listen to the Downtown Writers Jam. And the jam is out every Wednesday. So you're going to have a whole week's worth of shows. Get subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts and don't miss an episode. And remember, you can always catch us on Twitter and Instagram at The Writers Jam. Until the next time, I will see you around the internet. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time 
podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an <laughs> end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.